0: Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council podcast. I'm your host Alex and it is great for you to find us. If it's the first time of are listening, welcome to the show. We hope you enjoy our next hour and a half-ish of Star Wars conversation. If you are returning uh, for a following listen, uh, thank you very much for coming back again. We hope to entertain you again. Uh, and yes, so we are the Jedi Council and with me is, as always, my good buddy and my brother in the force, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. And we have a bit of a shorter cast uh, for, for you guys listen to tonight. And we also have Mr. Alistair Clark. Say hello, Alex. Hello, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Ali. Nice to get you back on, mate. Um, before we crack on, a very, very short uh, apology uh, to fellow Jedi Council members, uh, Mera and Andy. This gathering was very rapid, a little bit last minute i not really had a chance to get you guys in today, so we do apologise, but obviously we'll get you back uh, on the next ones as and when we can. So big apologies, uh, first and foremost, for doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, really sorry guys.
0: Yeah, uh, and today we are hopefully going to be wrapping up our conversation around solo. Uh, obviously we've done two previous sessions, uh, it felt like a therapy session actually, after when you listen to the way we did The Last Jedi and then we did Solo, it was very different. So it kind of felt like a good therapy. Um, we're going to wrap up on that. We're going to also briefly touch on, dare I call it, the elephant in the room, which is the current hype, bad-mouthing media coverage of the Star Wars fandom in general. Um, but we're going to take the focus of that slightly differently, but we'll come to that in a minute. Uh, And then we're just going to, like I said, wrap up on Solo and maybe have some final thoughts on where we think the franchise is going to go as and when uh, after we get to episode nine, you know, what might come after that. Uh, I think we've all got different ideas on that as well, Uh, but hopefully we can entertain you guys uh, going forward as well. So before we jump into Solo, let's tackle that elephant in the room. Guys, we're all on Twitter. We all follow various different... People, podcasts—we all have views on on this, and I want to make sure we have more of a a positive spin. Um, the Star Wars fandom at the moment is—I've seen headlines of like Star Wars fandom in crisis. Um, I think that's a bit over dramatic, uh, personally. I think there will always be us. The the fans will always be there. It's just how different fans are expressing their delights or what's the the kind of dismay at the way things are going. Um, Dave, you know, you've, you've kind of seen this as well, and you've actually wrote a really good piece about the fandom in general. And like I said, I want to kind of put a positive spin on this because not all fans are, are negative. There are some positive fans and we've been negative to a certain extent on our podcast, but for the most part, we're in kind of support. I'd like to think of where Star Wars is going. Now it's kind of been acquired by Disney. Um, and I'm also personally going to try and move away from this whole Disney created Star Wars, because let's be honest, the creative juices for Star Wars are in Lucasfilm. Um, yeah, I'm sure Bob Iger will have a word with Kathleen Kennedy every so often, but I can't see Bob Iger sitting down with Kathleen Kennedy and actually saying to her, "Sack one of the directors." Those decisions, the hiring, the firing, will ultimately be from her. That's my view, anyway. Um, Dave, I mean, kind of, you, you've obviously seen all this going around. What are your thoughts? I I'd, I'd
1: agree with that. <sighs> okay. Like you said, there's there's been a lot of negativity, and to be fair, that's, it, it seems to be coming from both sides at the moment, so not only is it the fans, but it is also individuals within the Disney camp themselves have not done themselves a lot of glory in how they've responded. Um, having said that, the hatred that has been put out there at individuals like uh, uh, Kelly which was just wrong, and and is never ever justifiable. Um but I, I agree with you. The, the 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 people running Lucasfilm are Lucasfilm people. Kathleen Kennedy was understudied to George Lucas for a number of years. She she understands Lucasfilm, I would hope, as well as anybody could do. Um perhaps she's made mistakes along the way, but she's finding her feet. On the whole, I, I think you said yourselves—they've made four movies, and from all of our collective perspective, Ali aside with Rogue One, um, <laughs> they've they've hit that three times out of four. They've they've made a good movie. Um, you, you've also got the likes of Dave Filoni; um, he is, for me, Star Wars royalty. I mean, mm. he he's been there for years working as as understudied George Lucas on the Clone Wars, then taking over the Clone Wars, and they're bringing Rebels. Um, the recent Solo movie was done by uh, Lawrence Kasdan and his son. Lawrence Kasdan was involved on Empire Strikes Back. Um,
0: Star Wars royalty again, really?
1: Exactly. I, let's face it, if, if he doesn't understand what Star Wars is, then nobody does. He's been there since George Lucas and and Irwin Kirshner back in 1980. So yes, um the the people that are involved in Lucasfilm today are still the people that were involved in Lucasfilm 20 years ago. It's still the people that were involved to some extent in Lucasfilm 40 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. it it's is It's perhaps Disney money, but it's not Disney making these movies. It's not Disney making these TV shows. It's Lucasfilm. And I think people need to grow up and recognise that. These are people who know what Lucasfilm is.
0: I mean, that's that's the other side of the fence, isn't it? Disney know how to make a movie. Disney know how to make a successful movie. They're not going out of their way to make bad movies. (laughs) It's not in their interest, which ultimately is the bottom dollar. But nevertheless, you... You do things for the better of the franchise. Um, the way Disney are taking Star Wars, it, away from Lucasfilm to a certain extent, isn't the movies, but what they're doing elsewhere, like on the cruise ships, like what they're doing in the theme parks. Disney are taking Star Wars and making it so much bigger. Now, again, that might annoy certain fans, um, but for me, it's it's bigger and better. Uh, and it's making the the franchise more wider it's making the star wars universe bigger as well um you know if if 10 15 years ago somebody had said oh i want a star wars theme park the amount of people that would have been jumping up and down by it i think yeah. it speaks volumes but obviously we're now getting that in a disney park ultimately it's because they've actually bought the franchise but again i think there's that there has to be that disconnect from what disney are doing to then potentially what lucasfilm are doing Cause they're going to live by the sword and die by the sword, or like laser sword, <laughs> I should say. Um, laser sword, yeah. But it, it it's one of those things that you've got this scenario now, and I think there's the, we need to kind of come together as fandom. And I've spoken a lot already, <laughs> but I think you know, Ali, you're you're kind of very kind of focused on social media, and you're on it. Uh, as well and obviously the main man behind our success on Twitter at the moment and you, you, you've seen various different interactions with the fans as well mate, what, what, what's your take?
2: Well, I, I, I'd almost like to go back a step and just, and just follow on, on Dave's point about Disney and Lucasfilm's relationship because when I went to San Francisco one of the most stunning things was, was that there was nothing Disney there it was very much Lucasfilm And I'm starting to wonder if, in fact, Disney have given them a little bit too much creative licence to go and do what they want. And by that I mean, if you look at a standard Disney release, um, a Marvel product or, you know, a feature film from Pixar, something like that, there is no way that creatives and actors would be out there criticising the film. Disney would not allow it. Yet it seems to be, if you're part of Lucasfilm, you have a completely separate and different relationship with Disney. And I'm starting to wonder if, in fact, part of the problem is, is that Disney are giving Lucasfilm too wide a berth compared to what they do with other franchises. Ooh. And they're letting them get on with things. Because um, I've, I've been thinking about this quite quite a bit and about why why is it happening? Because I don't want to dwell too much on he said, she said, those sort of things. But, but why, in essence, is this happening? And I... And I've sort of come down this this route that I, I really think we now have generational gaps of Star Wars fans. And what I mean by that is, is that we're saying that you, you may like um, Solo and you may like Rogue One and you may like The Force Awakens, but did you like the prequels? And it got me thinking, when for some fans was the last real Star Wars film? Did the real Star Wars film end at the original trilogy? Because to me, the original trilogy and the prequels are very, very different films tonally, stylistically. Um, even when you think about things like the mythology behind it, because when you're watching the originals, you're kind of learning about the Force. Whereas by the time you get to the prequels, it's pretty established what the Force is, and it is good versus evil. You know pretty much from the start who the Siths are and who the who the good guys, the Jedi, is. And so it was a different mythology. What we have with this new series is and let's just let's just talk about the new uh sequels you have this odd situation of no real mythology no real purpose no real drive and no sense of where it's been going and 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 basically rehashes of what we've seen before so it got me thinking for someone who is let's say above 40 years old is there star wars the prequels rogue one solo for someone who is, let's say, 32 to 25, is their Star Wars the prequels? And then for someone younger than that, and if this is sort of an indication as to why The Last Jedi win the polls, is their Star Wars growing up a bit on the Clone Wars TV show, a bit on Rebels, and then loving the new series? Because that's what they empathise with. Because we probably all have different favourite James Bonds, for example, because it's what we grew up with. And I'm starting to wonder if this is what's showing through in Star Wars a lot more than I had previously realised. We used
1: to movies coming out every 15 to 20 years. Do
2: you see That's what a I generation. mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's sort of it's sort of generational. So Star Wars is um, the original Skywalker saga for for some people. For some others, it's the Anakin story. And then... I think the real problem is you can't put your finger on what the new sequels actually stand for and what they're about. You can say it's about Ray's journey, but, but what? Kylo Ren, we still don't really know anything. They ignored loads of his backstory in the last film when they had a huge opportunity with the Knights of Ren to fill all that in. All we know is, is that he went from someone who thought he was being attacked by his uncle to massively... Well, the, the the equivalent of the emperor as the supreme leader now, in a very short space of time, but we don't we don't really know, and it's and I, I, how how much of that
1: down is down to poor storytelling. Now. That's
2: what I mean. That's exactly what I mean, and that's why I wonder. To go back to the original point I made, is has Lucasfilm in many ways told a good story in the last thirty years.
1: And they've lost their way,
2: do you see what I mean? Did their good story to in terms of like complete things? Because I like the prequels, right? but the storytelling in that is not as good as in the originals in my view they they're good, yeah. I really like them, and my favorite film is one of them. but in terms of narrative storytelling mythology and and we'll get onto to solo later and i and I actually wonder if that's part of the reason solos suffering at the box office is is because they are too easy to wrap up. And too easy to like something like Sully, you can watch it once or twice and you pretty much got it. It's not like the original where it was complex and layered. And I wonder if, if Lucasfilm has lost its way actually. I, ooh, I don't know because I'm I fall into that first category that you said, the over
1: 40. 45, I saw the original movie at the cinema um, when it first reached the UK. So I I went through the original trilogy. Um, I then had a fifteen-year-ish hiatus before the prequel trilogy dropped. Yes, I, I agree with you on that. The the story was not as strong, and that, I think universally, I think everybody. I've never heard anybody say that the prequel trilogy, taken as a trilogy, trumps the original trilogy from a story perspective, from how well it was put together, from how well it was acted by using a story that was stronger than the effects around it. Um, There was a certain level of of love around the original trilogy that I don't think was in the prequels. I still enjoyed the prequels, um, but I, I think some of the love had disappeared with how it was put together, and I think it was made more... I think the prequel was made because there was an existing fandom and there was money to be made out of the fans, which might upset some people. Um, And you could take that further and say that Disney paid $4 billion for something to make money out of it, so the current story, again, is the idea that there's an existing fandom so, it's easier to market a franchise at an existing fan, fandom than try and create a brand new franchise from scratch. So, i so say the prequels and now the sequels are milking an existing franchise and an existing fandom. Now, I'm not saying that I don't like them for that. No, no I, I, <laughs> because, I agree with you, by the way, Dave. So yeah, far. I agree. Because I enjoyed the prequels. Yeah. Yes, yeah, those things have changed. I, 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 I never hated Jar Jar Binks, although a lot of people did. Um, he was never my favourite character. He was there for comedy. He was the equivalent of a C three PO for me. Um, mm-hmm. He was a deliberate comedy character inserted into the film for for the film's sake. Um, but I would say that the humour, the, the original Star Wars humour, was there based around camaraderie and family um the the idea of what the story was about was solid enough it might not have been told in the best way but the story was solid there were there were some very good actors within that who did very good credible pieces i think obi-wan kenobi uh ewan mcgregor did a fantastic job given what he was he was working with with christian haydonson at times um I think uh, Liam Neeson did a fantastic job as Qui Gon. Bray um, Parks and Darth Maul. Um, so <sighs> Samuel L. Jackson, even as as uh, Mace Windu, I, I think there was there was some very strong and very well acted characters and parts to the prequels. Mm. Do I like it as much as the original? No, but I still put them up there if you were to ask me my top 10 movies my top 10 movies literally run um original star wars which is never a new hope original <laughs> star wars return of the jedi rogue one solo empire strikes back which i know will offend people um revenge of the sith um phantom menace um the force awakens um attack of the clones and there isn't yet a place in hell for The Last Jedi. (laughs) Um, But, um, so, for me, I I like movies from every aspect of it. Yes, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling on there. Yes, I know that Disney is milking it, but mm. then they paid $4 dollars for it. They expect them to milk it. But what I also expect is is strong, credible stories and well done movies. <clears> can I? Because they've got the money.
2: So... Can I ask you both questions, sorry, Alex? Because I, I really want to ask you both this because you're both two of the biggest Star Wars fans I know, right? I I wonder, with the benefit of hindsight, is the mistake for the continuing series is to try and do a Skywalker series? without george lucas because we've seen some of his ideas have got into the films but i'm starting to think more and more you can't continue a guy's story without the guy being involved because the, this method of storytelling is not working and you can see that this has now impacted really good films like solo and it, it has is. it's not found an audience so i always think and and this is why i want to know like from both of you if you think If George Lucas had done these two films, right, and and, and it had gone exactly the same way, people would have said, like, okay, George Lucas has lost the plot. We need to move on from this in the future. But I think they've made such a mistake in returning to his material straight, like, within 10 years of the last film. Well, slightly longer than that. But, and not having him involved more. And, And I think you can see that in somewhere like Solo, where Ron Howard said he came in and said Han Solo would not behave like that in a relationship meeting with Kira. I I just wonder, what do you both think about that?
1: I'll I'll let Alex answer that first, because I sit straight enough, I have an opinion around it. (laughs) Um, uh, the,
0: The problem that we have is that everyone was crying out for more Star Wars until 1999, 97, 99. And then The Phantom Menace came out. Then Attack of the Clones came out, and then Revenge of the Sith came out, and everybody thought George Lucas has ruined Star Wars. That was in the 90s and the early 2000s. That's not now. That was then. Yet, we're now in a position where there are fans crowing for George Lucas to come back. Yet, I bet you these are the same people that were asking 15 years ago, get rid of George Lucas. You shouldn't be in charge of another Star Wars film. So it's a catch-22, because you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Um, I'm of the opinion that the original six Star Wars films that George Lucas made was his story. Um, And on the basis of that being his story that he told in his mind, I would probably agree that, yeah, you shouldn't have started with Episode Seven being where it was and involving the characters who it did. But while I think that makes sense from a storytelling perspective, Knowing there was such a gap between the end of, so what we were saying that the uh, Revenge of the Sith came out in what, 2004? I think. Five. five. We then had False Awakens come out in 2015. That's a 10 year gap. That's a big time for a film to go away. Now, everybody knew what Star Wars was because of the hype of the 70s and the 80s but they were in a position where they had to re-engage with old fans, appeal to new fans, and take the story forward. So how they did it, I don't disagree logically that that makes sense. You want to re-engage the old fans. You want to bring back the Lucas uh, Phil. You want to bring back the Skywalkers. You want to bring back Han Solo. You want to bring back Leia, Chu, etc. 3PO 2 I get that. Yet, what they've actually done is they've re-engaged with the fans... And arguably, we've now got to a point where they've disengaged with the fans because they've handled the storytelling so badly. Um, and ultimately, the storytelling in The Force Awakens wasn't bad. It was The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi has basically taken the storytelling of the seven previous movies, and I'm going to encompass every single one of them, and completely binned it. Like three-point swish from way downtown. It's the way that the way that, that story has run, into to the earlier point that the storytelling should have been tighter, bang on. So where I'm actually going with this whole lecture is that I understand why Disney, sorry, why Lucasfilm took the steps that they did to re-engage with the fans, but ultimately they shouldn't have done.
2: Yeah.
0: Over you, to you, Dave. You've, you've said...
1: You've, you've put where I was going with that. Um, I, I, I can see why The Force Awakens was made. Going back to, to my original point a few minutes ago, Disney paid $4 billion for the franchise, and we can't get around that number because that is a hell of a lot of money for anybody. And so Disney then had the clocks ticking. When are you going to make return on this massive investment? How are you going to make the a, a massive return on this this investment? And so they immediately tuned in to the fact that irrespective of which generation of Star Wars you grew up in, you still love the original trilogy. The prequel trilogy you may enjoy more because that was your Star Wars, but you still loved the original trilogy. And so I think what what Disney did was, was what felt right to them. And I think at the time I was a, I was in agreement with them, this is a good way to do it. It was re-engage with the original fans, bring back the icons, the Luke, the Leia, the Han, the, the people that we grew up with, no matter which generation you were in, you grew up with those characters to some extent. They were cultural icons, they were film heroes, We put them all on pedestals, for for want of a better word. Uh, Leia was the sassy princess that broke the mould of how a woman should be in a movie. Luke was the kid next door that could become the greatest hero imaginable. And Han Solo was your older brother, a little bit wisecracking, a little bit knows more than you, but the guy that you can depend upon. And so from... A fan perspective, they they were. I go back to it, they were cultural icons, and they meant something. So I can understand why, when Disney got the franchise, their view was we need to tap in to this this love, this affection for the original cast and the original um, members. Jump forward a few years, and Ryan Johnson has managed to bruised the brand, let's say, for want of a better word. And looking backwards know that know that we can. So hindsight is a fantastic thing. And I'm now thinking they should never have touched the original cast members. Because now that we're seeing them in the new generation and in the new films, what 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 is their future? Okay, Carrie is dead, but had she not died She was still a lady in her 60s whose character had a finite position. Um, Han Solo has already been killed off. Luke Skywalker has already been killed off. What's, What's actually happened is Disney tapped into these cultural icons that meant so much to such a massive part of fandom and are systematically killing them off. So you're now watching your cultural icons be murdered. And I never really considered it before, but I went back and uh, recently had a rethink around The Force Awakens, a movie I actually enjoyed. Um, I thought it, it touched the right notes of nostalgia to re-engage with the fan base as it was meant to do. Okay, this, the story was a retread of existing story, but it worked in the right way. It was never going to win an Oscar uh, for the way it was put together, but it was done for the right reasons. But ultimately, what we saw in there before Han Solo died was the fact that Han Solo had walked out on his wife once their child went a little bit rogue. And now I'm looking back on that, I'm thinking, is that the Han Solo that we actually grew up with? The Han Solo who actually runs out? No, this is the, the Han Solo we knew as children threw, flew his Millennium Falcon back to the Death Star and took on Vader to save his younger brother, Luke. And he said, right, kid, do it. That, that's, that's who Han Solo was. And this is the same Han Solo who stuck around and went to the Battle of Yavin. Uh, not Battle of Yavin, Battle of Endor so this, this 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 is this is the han solo that could have walked away in the past and he never did so for me now looking back on it the force awakens began this this erosion of these cultural icons for us where initially we saw han solo become this layabout dad who abandoned his wife and turned into a space tramp for all all things considered. He'd lost his ship. He didn't really have much going for him. He was swindling people, taking money off different parties to try and double-cross people and, and try and come out on top. You knew that was in his character, and in, in some ways, it's reiterated in the new Solo film. But you also saw in the new Solo film, which was more honest to the original Han Solo, that he had heart and that he actually would put friendship and camaraderie and family ahead of personal gain, which is what we saw in Solo, the, the new film. So so the, you, you're already seeing this, this erosion of Han there before he died. And then you, you turn to Luke. And I'm sorry, but that—that that was character assassination. Just, I get that he would ultimately die. Yeah. But to but turn him into—go on, sorry.
2: Sorry, but but on that day, again, that was kind of set up in the Force Awakens. By it the past, he had disappeared.
1: He had, but the message that we had coming out of the Force Awakens, because I—I've only seen it the Last Jedi once. So I'm still at the point where I've only ever seen it once. But I saw it back to back. By watching The Force Awakens first. So for me it was one story, and I saw the two of them side by side. So in The Force Awakens, the story that you have from Han Solo and from Leia is that Luke is missing, but what had happened was um, things had gone wrong at the Jedi Academy. Luke had gone searching for answers to combat what he created. You then flip to the last Jedi. And Luke has actually gone and buried his head in the sand and let the galaxy burn.
2: Mm.
1: That wasn't Luke. Luke was. There is still good in him. He said that about Darth Vader. There is still good of him. I know I can bring him back to the light. He said that to his sister, knowing that he was going to face Darth Vader and Palpatine on his own. And he knew that he could bring his dad back to the light.
2: I I agree with you, but then do you not think that four years is a bit long for him to disappear and not want to come back just as an initial point. I do sort of wonder if if the seeds of a lot of this problem is in The Force Awakens more than we realised at the time.
1: It it could well be. Like I said now that I'm looking back at The Force Awakens I'm thinking that the tarnish was already starting to set in. And and to go back to my original point really, what we're seeing, what, what Disney Lucasfilm however you want to phrase that Lucas let's say what Lucasfilm should have done was completely forget about the sky the Skywalker saga jump forward two generations 50 or 100 years there is an established Jedi order set up by Luke Skywalker because that was the way that we'd left Return of the Jedi really that Luke would start again there's no reason why you couldn't have darkness seeping into it, there's no reason why you couldn't have Sif starting to evolve out of the Jedi again, as, as was the original case. So you, you would you would have the main story and protagonist there that people would already be familiar with, and that people would already latch onto as being good and bad. And you could have taken it forward 50 years, our heroes are now dead, but they died heroes. Luke set up the new Jedi Academy, Han and Leia, they had babies, they were happy, Leia may one time have been head of the Republic, the Chancellor of the New Republic, something like that. And that would all fit with how we left them 40 years ago. And if they jump forward a couple (laughs) of generations, our icons are now dead, of natural means, they've gone their, their characters were not tarnished. Mm. But what we're seeing instead is that each of those characters are now being systematically undermined.
0: I I think your your point, Dave, about Han Solo in The Force Awakens is, is a good way to kind of tie in how we're wrapping up our approach on Solo. Because obviously that's another talking point. And the thing that struck me... <clears throat> hadn't really thought about it until you said it was, the way that Han Solo had become this. I don't want to call him a bum. That's probably the wrong word. But he, he's gone back to this kind of space cowboy. He's he's kind of run away from his responsibilities. He's, he's swindling other people. And when you look at the way it could have gone in the Solo film, the way Solo is kind of portrayed, yes, he does come back into the fold eventually, but he kind of becomes a Beckett he he's on his own don't trust anyone gonna do his own thing looking out for himself making money double crossing people and it's kind of where solo is with beckett and obviously in the, in the movie we see han wanting to emulate that but ultimately he's a good guy so he always does the right thing and we also obviously see that in in the original trilogy as well he he's a He's a wannabe bad guy, but he's got such a good heart that never actually happens. Yes, he double-crosses Jabba. We know this. Um, but the way he's then portrayed in Solo, and then obviously when we fast forward to Force Awakens, he's he's run away from his responsibilities. He's not trusting anyone. He has become Beckett. Yet, we still get the good-hearted Solo at the end of it coming back into the fold to do the right thing. So it's kind of like yes. this evolution of the character swinging one way or another where... He wants to be this bad guy. He thinks he's a bit of a naughty boy, a rogue, scoundrel, uh, scruffy-looking nerf herder. But ultimately, he has a heart of gold where he always does the right thing. So I think... I, I kind of I see where you got that whole impression from a False Awakens perspective. But seeing Solo, it actually makes sense. He's, he's gone through this character involvement of being a good guy, wanting to laugh to Kira separated, tries to do the good thing, goes into the Empire, blah, blah, blah. And then we see him in Force Awakens where he's actually become, well, in my mind now, he's kind of become a Beckett. But ultimately, he gets drawn back to his goodness. I don't want to say redeems himself. That's the wrong thing to say. But it's, he kind of does come back to that character arc where he just keeps on going around. So I, think... I don't know,
1: I don't know, because I think he would have learned the lesson, I think that's that's the idea, he he'd learnt the lesson of being solo, you saw it happen in the new solo movie, which I thought was quite a nice encapsulation, as you just said of, of him almost being redeemed and, and showing that really he has got a good heart and then jump forward let's say 10 years and he meets Luke and he meets Leia and then he has, again, he has the opportunity to walk away and decides not to. But you jump forward 30 years to The Force Awakens, and he has turned his back on it. He has become that, to, to, to use your term, space bomb. He has done that. So it's almost like he's, he's not learned the lessons that you thought he'd learned over the original trilogy. He's, it's not even reverting to type. He's become something that, that we as fans never saw in him, not to that extent, not to the character that does walk away from responsibilities, because he never if, did.
2: But if, but if we were to take Alex's point and, and then actually tie it in with our original part, which is to do with storytelling... so. so in real world timing, Force Awakens 2015, we're now in 2018 and Solo's come out. You're using a film three years after one to excuse why he did something then. And and, and that's just bad storytelling again. Like you say, I, I I sort of agree with you, Dave, in terms of his journey. But if you look at how they've presented it, they've, they've done it an odd way again. Yeah.
1: So I, and I, I, in in a way, you, you've yeah. also got Luke doing that. So yeah, Luke has almost gone exactly the same route. Turned his back on everything, walked away from everything, the same as Hannah's, yeah. and he's redeemed ultimately at the end, just before he dies. Yeah, yeah. Which is and just, that is bad storytelling. Yeah, because that is that is just copying the film before. Again, I I stand by my view. What was fresh about the Last Jedi?
0: So if. And this, this podcast seems to be quite a nice interlinked topic because the the, the final thing we were obviously going to discuss was where the franchise goes. Um, yep. And I think ultimately it has to try to reunite, I'm using air quotes here, the fans, because that's obviously something we discussed that's clearly an issue. It's affecting the current filmmaking process. They are sacking directors, they're cast recasting um, the writers, recasting is the wrong word, re, they're, they're sacking the writers to give new writers the, the the script. Is it a fact that then the decision-making processes by Lucasfilm are ultimately affecting the fans and ultimately the story writing, which then ultimately affects everything and the direction that the franchise goes in? We've got to a point now where The fans are divided, let's be honest. Um, Lucasfilm has episode nine, dare I say it, to redeem itself. No pressure, JJ. Um, But then we've got to a point where, then what? And is it a point where they do something completely fresh? Now, we've obviously been against what Brian Johnson has done with The Last Jedi, but the saving grace that I'm telling myself, I'm not convincing myself just yet, but I'm hopeful. His new trilogy was going to be set in a completely different time period to where we have the current nine movies. I can't remember if it was before or after. Ultimately, it isn't that time period. And because it isn't that, if it's 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000 years before a new hope, ten thousand years after a new hope, is that going to be fresh enough for the fans? The reason why I am asking that is because a lot of fans are still attached to the EU. We discussed this on a previous podcast where the EU is still seen as quite high is redeemed really highly by a lot of the fans. If Some you go, class Exactly, but now if you start going back 10 years... It never years, was.
1: That, sorry, the thing was that it was never canon.
0: Exactly. No, I agree 100% with that. But what I mean is that we're still going to potentially be in a position where the future of Star Wars, regardless, might be considered difficult to take it forward because there's so much attachment to something that isn't actually canon. So the EU had comics, it had books, it had fan-made movies, it had video games. And there was a lot done about it. So if you look ten years, ten thousand years before *A New Hope*, it was like the Sith War, um, the the rise of Darth Bane, which was like a thousand years before *A New Hope*. If they like started, the they War. Yeah, like you know, *Knights of the Old Republic*. Um, if they start getting into that time frame, are we going to get the fans who have kind of, in our position where we've been, have done that, seen it from an EU Legends perspective? Are we going to be affected? And is there going to be a prejudice? simultaneously you're going to get the new fans again we're going to be in this position where there's the new fans who haven't seen any of that and all of a sudden they've got this brand new adventure in like 5000 years before Luke Skywalker oh my god that's going to be amazing so whatever their decision process is and whatever they decide to do I really hope they're a lot more careful with what they've done with the sequel trilogy I I think they could have
2: got away with that though Alex if they hadn't done 7 and 8 the way they have. Yes, yes they if should they, have done that first. Yeah, exactly. If, if they'd just gone straight into that time period when the Sith Rule of Two or something like that had happened, I think there'd been enough goodwill from established fans and enough intrigue from more casual fans to create something really special around it. The problem is, is that with the way that 7 and 8 has gone, it has definitely fractured the community in a different way. And now means that that goodwill has evaporated, and, and the nostalgia's not there. Yeah, exactly. And so, any decision you make is going to cause problems. And, and like, I have some very strong opinions on episode nine and where it's going to go, and I am very fearful for it. I'm, I'm, i in a way, I, I am scared about what's going to happen with episode nine because of the the writers and the director involved in it. Well.
1: My okay, going going back to what Alex said about if this new trilogy is in a different period, the problem I've really got with that at the moment is Ryan Johnson. Mm. You'll get a massive area of the fandom that will boycott that movie worse than boycott solo. Yep. I agree. Because of Ryan Johnson. I agree. Yep. Ryan Johnson okay, for for the people listening here, before we came on today, we actually had a quick discussion and we said we're not gonna discuss the current uh, um conflict going on within the fandom because we're aware of the fact that there's quite a few podcasts that are covering that at the moment and <laughs> we wanted to, to look at this differently. What we've now ended up doing is a podcast that is about half an hour long so far where we're discussing the current crisis within the fandom and why it might be happening. We're not necessarily discussing the hatred in there. We're more discussing the the creative uh, direction that has been taken by Lucasfilm. But the elephant that Alex discussed initially is in the room, and Ryan Johnson, for a lot of people is that elephant and that 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 concerns me that lucasfilm despite all of the anger that is directed at ryan johnson still wants to put money into his projects that concerns me The despite the fact that Ryan Johnson goes out of his way to attack individual critics of his movie. Now, fair enough. I know that there's anger and there's a lot of hatred that's been directed at individual cast members and also at at uh, Ryan Johnson himself and also at Chuck Wendy. I know that there's been anger directed at them and a lot of a lot of hatred and a lot of bitterness and a lot of nastiness has been said about them. Personally. I think Ryan Johnson made a poor movie. And that is where my criticism is. I don't want, I don't know what type of person he is. He might be a very nice person. From looking at the way that he is currently conducting himself on Twitter, I don't think he is a very nice person.
0: And I think what, what we need to do is separate the way fandom is going. So there's too much focus on the individual as a person. Yes. Not as a creative yes. involvement. In Star Wars, so you know we could be critical of Ryan Johnson and his movie, but
1: and that's that's where we have been critical. Yeah, We've been critical of of what he's doing,
0: and we draw not the line him. at personal because that's not us as a as a podcast. We've never done that. We never will. Yeah. Um, but we have to make sure that. I I'd like to think we as a podcast, we represent fans, we, we put our opinions on the internet, we put it on iTunes, we put it on SoundCloud, you know, we put it on a website. And one thing that I'm proud of is us as a collective, we are still trying to be positive. Um we have all loved solo. Um and yeah, Ryan Johnson made some questionable decisions in his writing process and filmmaking process. And we hope he doesn't do it again. But as an individual, the guy could be top notch. Um and again, the whole fandom thing is, when you take Kelly Marie Tran and how things have affected her to make her come off social media, going at it personally is just not on. Um, we, you know... Yeah. I I don't really like using the word haters, but in this particular instance, there are haters, but they're haters for the wrong reason. They're taking it out on her because she's an Asian woman in the Star Wars film. Yeah. It's not the fact that Rose... I mean, Rose was an okay character. I, you know, I took it on leave. I didn't have feelings of one way or another she was just part of the cast it was it was a film i'm not one of these people that i'm gonna say well we shouldn't have asian people and we shouldn't have women in a star wars film that's not that's it's not about that um give me a star wars film with different colors creeds alien species human five legs four legs one leg whatever if it's a good movie or a star wars movie nevertheless we're gonna kind of watch it and we will critique it the way that we do and i think we need to make sure that we keep this positive um We've seen Solo harshly crit- – no, criticised is the wrong word. It's been harshly treated in the office because of what's happened in The Last Jedi. Yeah, as a collective, we've all seen it multiple times, and we love it. And I think we need to start pushing out these vibes to try and make the fans kind of come together because if we don't, we're going to ruin it, and we're not going to get anything. And I remember a time where there was literally no Star Wars. And I'm sorry, the more the better. Well – questionable let me rephrase that the more quality Star Wars the better Um, and I think that needs to kind of get drilled home in that people have been crowing for so long to get something good and something Star Wars that when it comes along even though they've had four movies in the last four years it's it's still kind of too much and I'm thinking well it's only too much if it's done badly yet Solo was a good film but it's been affected by what happened with The Last Jedi and to your point Dave about this, this, this trilogy that Ryan Johnson does now again that kind of links back to the whole where we think the franchise is going to go if they decide to take that away fine yeah if they give it to him and he continues with it there will be an impact and we don't want that to happen yeah.
1: no well I was, I was going to say if we go back to what we're saying at the moment what Ali pointed out originally was the fact that these movies at this point in time are not being made by Disney And perhaps the problem is that Disney is giving Lucasfilm too much free reign with how they're doing things. If you go back to the fact that Disney paid $4 billion, that's a lot of money. And Bob Iger must be thinking, is Ryan Johnson really the best person? I'm not saying he's done okay films in the past. Looper was an okay movie. So we're not saying he has done universally bad movies every time but at this point in time he is a potentially toxic director for Lucasfilm because he splits the fans right down the middle
2: I have two thoughts on that Dave my first one would be that I actually I don't think you can say what he has been saying and continue working on the next trilogy if you wanted to have any kind of success the other thing is is that just because disney have paid four billion for it at this stage it sort of doesn't matter because they've got most of it back and they're not going to be afraid to walk away from a bad investment if they can't have another solo film That's true. they cannot have that because you can you don't have to have films to have star wars you can have other things there are other medias out there you can have live action tv series you can have cartoon series keep it going Make it children orientated. Fill Disneyland full of kids. Well, that's you, just it. Disneyland will make the money no matter what. You don't have to keep going with this, and and they will walk away if 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 the next film bombs. What is the incentive to keep going with it? You can't keep fill, beating something that is cause it's damaging Disney's brand because people yeah. are eating Disney, and it's damaging their reputation to provide a, good films that make money.
0: It's beating a dead horse, isn't it?
2: Exactly, and at some point. That gets too much. And if we as fans continue to berate and and not get behind what is a quality product like Solo, then they will turn that cash off. They will turn that tap off. Yeah. And they will find another way. Because they'll they'll keep Star Wars. It makes money for them. And it's going to make a lot of money for them. But
1: we've seen that already. We've seen that already. Because they didn't put the money into pushing and promoting and marketing Solo. Why, why, when, when they started seeing all the bad press that started coming out from the boycott, the boycott everywhere, they decided, you know what, why, why push money at this if it's not going to make the money?
2: I think they probably ended up with a lot better to film than they thought they were going to get as well. I agree, I agree. But that's, but that's, but that's why um, I think episode nine is so crucial, so, so crucial. And, I mean, the, the screenwriter for Episode 9 is a guy called Chris Terrio. Yeah. Does, does that name resonate with either of you? Yeah. Dave, do you know who he is? No, no Justice
1: he's League. He's not jumping out no, at me.
2: He's the guy, let me, yeah, just give a second. He's mm-hmm. the guy who did Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice and the Justice League. Right, OK. And, 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 and as much as there are some people that like those films. Like me. There are a lot more that don't. Yeah. So you've got already a very controversial screenwriter going into this, who has, last two films, have come in, in with Marmite. expectations and reputations and bond. Yeah. So you've got that as a problem. The other problem, which goes back to J.J. Abraham's, which I wrote in the article when I defended the film in December, is and, and this is purely based on, as you know, Star Trek fan is what he did with that Star Trek series and how he divided fans with that as well. If we, do, you, do you know what the Kelvin timeline is? Oh, no. so, so he took the original characters Spock, um, Kirk, and everyone, and basically introduced um, time travel, and he moved, mm-hmm. and he moved. He moved everything along so that events happened which affected current characters and meant that it was a completely different timeline and so they could go out on a completely new adventure. Which, when it happened, people were like, "Okay, it's a clever plot device. And I really liked the film. I really, really liked it. I thought it was very clever. But then came along the film afterwards, which is, everyone says, is the worst Star Trek film ever. And has sort of, among certain fans, me included, has cemented J.J. Abrams' reputation as a brilliant um, filmmaker in terms of quality and the way it looks, but a terrible storyteller. Absolutely terrible storyteller. Because in, in the second film, he basically took the most famous Star Trek film, which is called Wrath of Khan, and did the exact same plot, whitewashed it by making Benedict camperpatch play a guy who was formerly an Indian called Khan uh, Singh. Sing. And then he hid that from everyone until the last minute. So everyone was really kind of weirded out by the fact it happened. And then worst of all, he switched Kirk and Spock in the roles of what they played in the second film to try and pretend it was something new. I absolutely fear what is going to happen with this creative team. If Kathleen Kennedy does not get a grip on this because he's got a blank canvas and, and, all I've seen in his last few films is he's gone back to the well of what's happened before and redone it. Yeah. What is he going to do? What are these people going to do with this film? And if it doesn't come out with a uplifting, um, progressive, interesting ending, it's like you said, where do they go? They can't go back a thousand years. They can't go forward a thousand years because people will just focus on that, well, we've now had two absolutely terrible saga mm-hmm. films. And it will divide everyone, and so much is counted on this film now. Particularly after what's happened with Solo, and I just, I just really for the ha- wrong reasons. Sorry, go on, Dave. Sorry,
1: I, I, I say for the for the wrong reasons. To, yeah. to go back to what you said, Solo Solo has not done well at the box office for the wrong reasons.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and if it happens on the next film, and if they do produce. You know, we'll all go and watch it. We'll all be there at midnight. We'll all, by then, we'll have dusted ourselves off and be like, we need this to be good. We want this to be good. We're all fans of this great, great uh, story. And what happens if they deliver another one like they did previously? That's a scary thought. And I don't see how they've got the right team in it. Well, I mean, what do
0: you think about that, Alex? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm odd, personally, in that I try to be optimistic about everything that kind of comes out of Star Wars, because I'm so kind of engrossed, and I love, I love the franchise so much that, you know, there are prequel haters, there are sequel haters, but I, the only film that has really irked me in the whole Star Wars universe is The Last Jedi. Same here, yeah. And, and with that, you've got... Nine, ten, including Solo, you've got ten movies, and one of them is problematic. I, I, I love the prequels. I know it's not to, not everyone's taste. I get that, um, but Darth Maul is my favorite character, and if we didn't have the Phantom Menace, there won't be Darth Maul. Um, tying that getting into back into Solo, obviously, but I'm, I'm, I'm highly optimistic of where Episode Nine is going to go, purely because I like the Force Awakens. Yeah, JJ kind of recircled some things. The only thing is that now he he actually can't do that again. So to your point about Star Trek 2, the reboot, he's copied Rough of Khan, False Awakens, he kind of copied The Last Jedi. Uh sorry, the A New Hope. We're now in a position where Ryan Johnson has effectively done episode 5 and episode 6 in episode 8. So episode 9 has to be its own film. And I'm hoping that can breathe fresh uh, life incentive back into the franchise because he hasn't got anything previously to use. Unless, to Andy's point on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, he basically remakes the prequels, which I've got no idea how he would do that. So part of me is actually optimistic of where Episode 9 is going to go because it has to go forward. It can't go back anymore.
2: But but Alex, I know we're running out of time here, right? Yeah. Yeah. But something like Raylo scares me, that they would put that in just to play lip service to some fans.
0: I don't think Raylo will happen.
2: But if you were trying to get some fans back on side, there's enough of them out there. And we've all read about these odd story treatments. And do you know what I mean? That's what I mean. They could They could go out there and listen to what some fans want and take this in a really weird direction. Part of me—that's what, what I worry about.
0: And again, these these things aren't going to get answered until December 2019, which is far away. It's it's 18 months <laughs> away. It's it's way too far. And I don't know when they're going to drop the first trailer. My assumption is either it will be at Comic Con next year, which is in July, or it will be at D23. The by annual disney convention it'll be at one or two and that's when august
1: we got a celebration as
0: well and you got yeah. a, they, it's too early for celebration celebrations in uh, april it's too hey, early hey, for a trailer hey, you, 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 you could have a teaser <sighs> yeah. a teaser of a teaser potentially i don't know i think that's too early i think they'll say the they, they did that with solo
1: didn't they Well, you didn't really see anything. You just sure saw a few shots.
0: You saw a sizzle reel. They could do a sizzle reel. Yeah. But to, to Ali's point, um, I think we can continue this conversation for weeks and I think we will continue it for months because we do have 18 we, months. We've not actually
1: covered off the final part of Solo here. We've purely focused on what was going to be other
0: news. Yeah. Well... That's not actually a bad thing. Maybe we can focus on solo when we've got the wider collective uh, around. Because, um, yeah, we are kind of pressed for time this week. But we wanted to get something out to you guys, the the listeners, because we weren't we weren't around last week. Uh, so we wanted to get something out today. It was very quick. But hopefully this kind of... Uh, it's, a, it's a massive debate because it's still ongoing. It will still be ongoing for a while. And until we get something fresh, I don't think this is going to go away. But... Um, and looking at timings that we do have now and guys obviously looking to wrap up and it's caused cool huge debate, not just with us, but also with the fandom in general. Dave, I'm going to hand over to you for some final thoughts on, on what we've discussed today and kind of thoughts around where it can go. Um, and hopefully this is going to be a debate for good because we want to try and be positive. Yes, we've discussed some of the negative, but ultimately there's still a lot to look forward to in Star Wars, you know, we haven't even touched on the fact that we've got that new TV series coming. That's done by John Farrow. That's going to be good. Um, we've got a lot yeah. coming. And and Dave, so kind of wrapping up over to you, mate. Final thoughts. Oh, God.
1: Um, well, okay. I am hopeful. That's that's where I'm leaving that. I, I'm hopeful that the movie will be good. Um, I have so much invested in my life and in who I am in Star Wars, and and <laughs> we haven't brought this up yet, but I have just bought a brand new car because of Solo, and I can't say that enough. Uh, which sounds really bizarre and really weird, but I was I came across the Renault Kaja, um On social media, because of Renault's very clever um, online social media presence, Um, I had discounted Renault as a brand. Um, I'm sorry, Renault. Um, But they convinced me to go for a test drive. Um, And ultimately, I bought that car. Now, would I have gone for a test drive if they were touting it as a Jurassic Park car? Jurassic World car. Would I have gone for it if it was an Avengers car? Would I have actually wanted to go for a test drive of that car? Probably not. I would have seen it as a gimmick, as probably everybody who's just switched off our podcast thinking, oh my God, what has he done? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But because it was attached to a, a Star Wars movie, that, in fact, I went for a test drive maybe it might have just been <laughs> yes I've been to see it on the opening night on the Wednesday Thursday night and I came across I've probably seen that the, the um, social media presence before then but I saw it I think on the Thursday and you thought and I thought you know what I really like solo so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually give this this car a, a go and so I went for a test drive on that following Sunday. I'd made my decision by the end of that week and I decided that was the right car for me. And it was a good car. It was it. It drove well. I enjoyed driving it. I, I cannot say how much I actually enjoyed that car, But which is why I'm spending the money on it. But I would never have gone for that test drive if it had not been for the fact that it was linked to Solo. So that's how much Star Wars means to me. The fact that if something's done well and if it's done right... I will so so buy into it that I'll go out by there and buy a car on the back
0: of it. That's probably the That's most expensive collectible Star you've Wars got. It. Me. Sorry? It's probably the most expensive collectible that you have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, a £27,000 collectible. There you go. But I would never have done that had it not been no. for the fact that I have so much passion and enjoyment and love for the Star Wars franchise. You, you, you may hear us um, critique movies. You may hear us say not favourable things about Star Wars movies. Sometimes it's rare because, on the whole, Star Wars do solid movies. And out of nine mu ten movies, they've produced nine awesome movies Mm. for me that they've got a 90 percent track record of producing outstanding outstanding movies all nine of those movies are in my top 10 movies of all time that's how much star wars means to me i put it above i put all of those movies every single one of them above every avengers movie i put them all above every dc movie and i love those franchises but i'm sorry but star wars will always come out above them the last jedi doesn't I'm afraid, but every other movie does. That's how much Star Wars means to me. So I have hope that episode nine will redeem Star Wars in in the eyes of those that it needs redeeming. I have hope that JJ Abrams <laughs> will bring the fandom back together. And if he doesn't, I hope that Kathleen Kennedy, or whoever is in charge at that point in time, because there's rumours around that at the moment, whoever is in charge of Lucasfilm at that point in time has the the courage to remove J.J. Abrams if he's not going to do it, as they did with Solo. And they did a fantastic job of removing the people that were there to pull together a fantastic movie. They need to have that same courage with Episode Nine.
0: Ali, Um, good luck following that, mate.
2: Well, First of all, they've already done that with the Colin Trello thing, haven't they? So (laughs) they're already on to second director for this film. And I I think I'm not as hopeful as you, Dave, right now because I see what people are saying out there. And I think something special has to happen to bring all these people back. Um, and, And I do... I, there is one other thing we didn't talk about, which is which is resistance and Dave Filoni, which in terms of timelines I would guess would come out before the next film, and in there there should be some interesting backstory on the current sequel films, and if they get that right, I'll be a lot more hopeful about the film. Um, but I think it's, it's, in, a, good hands. it's yeah. in good hands. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so if that goes right, and some of the storyline. They're obviously going to have to go back and make changes. If if they can do that, then Nine's got a chance. But the way things are going right now, I fear for the future of Star Wars.
0: I'm going to wrap up and some final thoughts very quickly. And I'm going to actually quote Rose from The Last Jedi in that. You fight... No, hold on. uh, That's how we're going to win. Not fighting what you hate, but saving what you love. And we need to do that with Star Wars. And I think that is what we need to take away from this podcast is making sure Star Wars is saved because we love it and we hope that the people at Lucasfilm love it as much as we do as well. Um and on that note, we are the last Jedi. No, we're not. I do that every week. I do it every week. <laughs> we are the Jedi Council. Um, we are on Instagram at the underscore Jedi, underscore council, underscore TJC. We are on Twitter, at the Jedi, underscore council. We are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes. We are on player.fm. That's where you can listen to these wonderful podcasts that we put out for you guys. Get in touch. Like, subscribe to everything that we do. Um, We want to get you guys engaged. We try to get you... uh, We we reply back to you on Twitter. We try and reply back to you on Instagram. Some of you guys have tried to leave comments on our uh, SoundCloud page as well. So therefore, we are listening to you we want you to listen to us and we thank you very much for taking the time to listen to the Jedi Council and remember may the force be with you remember the force will be with you